At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Happy Thanksgiving. Together, apart, at home, or far from it, we're all celebrating a different kind of holiday this year. Singer, songwriter, and activist Jules says despite it all, she's practicing gratitude. There can always be In a candid conversation about her own mental health journey, Jewel speaks to Becky Quick about overcoming trauma and building our own tools for mental strength. What we are taught in school does not teach us how to handle pain, what resilience actually is, what are the mechanics of resilience. It just means having multiple skills. Jewel's work to equip children with the skills they actually need. I wanted to see if this could help other people without traditional resources. You know, other kids like me without a therapist, without a family group. Could I affect real neurological change? And working for the workers, her efforts to set up employers for success in caring for their hires. I've started working with companies to help create really practical solutions and curriculums for our workforce because we lose a trillion dollars um, annually to mental health-related absence at work. It's Thursday, November 26th, Thanksgiving in a pandemic. Our special holiday offering of Swak Pod begins right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC, and today we're bringing you a conversation our Becky Quick had with Jewel. I don't know about you, but I basically wore out my Pieces of You CD in 1995. Becky spoke with Jewel as part of a CNBC virtual event for our Workforce Executive Council. This is a group of HR leaders juggling a lot this year, employee morale, concerns about safety, concerns about career advancement. Basically, are people doing okay? I caught up with Becky. It's Thanksgiving, the official start to the holiday season, and not everybody feels so great this year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a rough one. You recently spoke to Jewel, who first came to fame uh, in the 1990s as a singer-songwriter. And Jewel has become an activist in talking about mental health in not feeling so great. And she took her own health right into her own hands. Tell me about that. You know, I was kind of amazed because I, you know, I loved Jules' music back in the 90s. Uh, she was kind of everywhere back then. I didn't know much about her story, though, in, until very recently. Here's a teenager who's out on the streets in L.A. completely on her own trying to make things, you know, to make ends meet and manage things. And somehow, in the midst of all of that, she managed to come up with coping techniques, coping techniques that have since been proven to neurologically work. 
but somehow she came up with this by herself while she was writing music and, and entertaining in coffee shops and stuff. And I, I, I just had no idea. To me, the most moving thing is hearing somebody who has struggled and been tested and survived, who is so passionate about making sure others can get through their struggles as well. Um, really an incredibly wonderful person. And it was a moving conversation. Yeah. And I think that the work that she's been doing, particularly with companies as well, sort of taking these strategies and taking them into the workplace and into our um, kind of daily professional interactions um, shouldn't be as noteworthy as it is, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, she's really smart about that too. I mean, she really thinks like a business person. She said she wanted to find a way to reach scale, a way to find more people that she could help. You, you go where the money is, you go where the people are, and that's at work. And there have been so many people who have struggled this year in particular. I think it's brought that issue to the forefront for lots of companies, especially the forward-looking ones, who are realizing how hard their people are working, how innovative they're being to make sure that they're getting the job done even under incredibly difficult circumstances. Jewel, I just want to say thank you for being here. I mean, I've been a huge fan. I've loved your work for decades, loved you, but I didn't know until very recently about your own struggles with mental health. And I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you. And it's an honor to be here today. I moved out when I was 15. Uh, my dad was abusive. He was a single father, Vietnam vet, turned to drinking when he started trauma triggering. None of us knew what trauma triggering was. And so I moved out at 15 and I knew statistically kids like me end up repeating the cycle. And I didn't want to be a statistic. And I looked at this idea of nature versus nurture and thought, what if, what if my nurture is so bad I never get to know my real nature? At 15, how do I feel like I have any hope going forward? So I set out on this very ambitious mission at 15. I remember writing in my journal that I wanted to understand my human nature, not how I was built to have a human habit, despite my neurological training and programming. So that's what I set out to do, and basically what my mission has been my whole life. Um, I did pretty good till I was 18. I ended up homeless because I wouldn't have sex with a boss, wouldn't give me my paycheck, started living in my car, my car got stolen, and my panic attacks started really increasing to the point where I became agoraphobic, had considerable health issues, uh, almost died in the emergency room parking lot because they wouldn't see me because I didn't have insurance. And it was just this vicious downward spiral. And one day I was in a dressing room and I was trying to steal a dress and I saw my reflection in the mirror and I went, I am a statistic. I didn't beat the odds. And I remembered this quote by Buddha that said, happiness doesn't depend on who you are, what you have. It depends on what you think. And so I wanted to see if I could turn my life around one thought at a time. And that was the beginning of me starting to develop practicable exercises to rewire myself and what I've started building a business on outside of my career as a musician. I, I can't believe you were able at that young age to, to sort of develop some of these tools. I mean, that's beyond my understanding even at, at this age. I, what kind of tools were you using and, and when did you decide that those tools could be used to help other people? When did you first think that? The first exercise I created was actually after I left that dressing room. Um, if I could turn my life around one thought at a time, that meant I needed to perceive my thoughts. My anxiety prevented me from doing that because I was disassociating pretty much all the time. 
So I started watching my hands because your hands are the servants of your thoughts. So if you want to see what you're thinking, watch what your hands are doing, what you spend your time doing. And so I took notes on everything my hands did. It's a silly life plan, but that's what I had to deal with. And at the end, I realized there was this amazing side effect. At the end of two weeks, my anxiety virtually disappeared. Now, the words mindfulness weren't around then, so that wasn't in my you know vocabulary. But that's basically what I stumbled on was this idea of the only way we can keep ourselves safe is if we show up, basically. Uh, and that our anxiety um, is linked to all kinds of things. But one of the most amazing cures is presence. And then I started working on behavioral patterns of, you know, cause, effect, and reward. Uh, so stealing was how I responded to the stress of being homeless. I got a reward for it. So I started retraining myself, realizing I couldn't change homelessness, which was my stimulus. My response I could change immediately. So I began writing instead of stealing, which took will, you know, just no, no shortcut around it. But I started to get a different reward. And then I realized there was only two states of being, dilated and contracted, and that every single thought, feeling, or action leads to one of those two states. Then I started building lists, all the things that dilated me and calmed me, like joy, curiosity, observation, walking in nature, connection, and all the things that contracted me, fear, worry, anxiety, etc., and so I just started abstaining from this list. And then it just kept going from there. I started creating just exercise after exercise, which later got proven to work by a neuroscientist named Dr. Brewer. And I wanted to see if this could help other people without traditional resources. You know, other kids like me without a therapist, without a family group. Could I affect real neurological change? And we founded a youth foundation 18 years ago, and that's exactly what we do. And now I've started working with companies to help create really practical solutions and curriculums for our workforce because we lose a trillion dollars um, annually to mental health-related absence at work. I, again, I, I can't believe you were able to develop these tools for yourself, then to have the, the foresight to, to work with teens, other teens, and then to bring it to companies. I, I, I guess the success you've had with teens first, what, what did you find and what did you kind of get back? What was the reward you found at that point, too? So rewarding working with these kids. Most of our kids, the foundation's called Inspiring Children, and we work with kids that have usually had multiple suicide attempts, suicidal ideation, extreme anxiety. And they go from suicidal to you have to meet these kids. It's almost impossible to describe how um, happy, weeping with joy, which they never thought they would do. I know that feeling because I remember a time in my life where I was like, I'll never be happy. I can't imagine a future where that's possible. And it's very possible. But we don't really, you know, I call it this whole human approach because what we are taught in school does not teach us how to handle pain what resilience actually is, what are the mechanics of resilience. It just means having multiple skills so that during different times you have a skill set for that different, uh, what's needed at the time. Um, and our kids, we have a 99% uh, rate of our kids earning their own college scholarships and 95% of them are Ivy League level. So it's been incredible, <laughs> so rewarding. Yeah, it's amazing. How did you tr transition to that, to thinking, okay, I can, I can bring this to other people too and work with companies? How did that happen? I was looking at how do you scale wisdom, basically. What's the easiest way for me to do that? And I started looking at two points of entry. One was working at public schools. So I developed a language arts program that meets all the national core needs, uh, but has these mindfulness curriculum built into it. Um, that way every school can afford it because they have to have a language arts program and it's not relegated to the counselor's office. And then the other one was through private companies, through entrepreneurial efforts. Um, 
you know, we have so many mental health issues hurting our productivity at work. And everybody works. So let's say just during COVID, our, our suicide and crisis hotlines are up 800%. Those are all employees, mm. hopefully. A lot of people have been laid off. Mm. But we have to deal with this. And we can solve actual pain points for people at work that will give them more bandwidth and be more productive while we're also doing the right thing by solving real pain points for them. We want to bring in another voice to this, uh, to this conversation, too. Richard Baker is the CEO of Hudson's Bay Company. He and his company have been working with Jewel to try and take some of the things that she's learned and, and implement it into their own programs for their employees. And Richard, we want to thank you for being here today, too. How, how did you find Jewel? My pleasure to be here today. Um, actually, it's, it's very interesting. So uh, my wife and I have spent a tremendous amount of time working uh, to raise money and support uh, mental health uh, initiatives and charities around the world. And... Uh, with that work, we met Jewel, and Jewel is is absolutely unbelievable because uh, through a conversation or a series of conversations with Jewel, we were able to think about um, uh, how we could do more than raise money and more than give money to uh, support mental health, which is fantastic. Um, we came up with a concept of highly amenitized work environments where we could create community. And um, as you know, uh, a lot of the issues around mental health, many of them, are related to people being alone or not having the support or the community that they need. And if you can create healthy relationships and community for people, uh, you can really make a whole lot of people healthier, happier, and, uh, and have a better life. So uh, it was through our conversations with Jewel that we began developing uh, our, our our company called York Factory, uh, and uh, it's been very exciting. Yeah, I really what, have what is had... York? Oh, Joel, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I just, I, <laughs> I feel so excited talking to Richard because um, working with a CEO of such a large company that really realizes the future of the workforce is to create an environment of connection, um, which is good for the bottom line um, and good for the workforce. <laughs> so just working with someone like that's been incredible. Richard, what, what does York Factory look like? Describe it to somebody sure. who, you know, from the outside doesn't really, it's, it's hard to get your head around until you actually put, put a description on it. Sure. So uh, we've opened our first one and we're going to open another uh, uh, 10 hopefully this year. And we're also working with Fortune 500 companies to put York Factories within their existing office uh, environment. Basically, what we're doing is we're creating a community accelerator. So we're reimagining the space with uh, different kinds of uh, seating areas and different kinds of get-together areas, uh, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, health and wellness, uh, uh, gym, a, a, a place where you can get your hair cut and a place where you can get your nails done and, and a whole community and environment. Think of it a little bit like uh, work meets a country club meets a camp. And, you know, we made a deal with our people uh, a long time ago as companies to their to our associates and we gave them these things called blackberries that uh, later turned into uh, Apple phones and they became 24-7 workers and but we never said to them oh you don't have to come in at nine o'clock or 8 30 and you can leave at five o'clock right Becky and uh, uh, right. you're on call 24-7 so we're reimagining the entire work environment 
where people do work those unusual hours, but when they go to their hub or their work environment, um, maybe they can also work out. Maybe they can have uh, more collaboration time. And we're reimagining how people think of the office uh, versus what's been done traditionally. You know, I, I think about that, particularly during a pandemic, Richard, and that seems like a really tough thing to do. I, I mean, it sounds like you've built a Silicon Valley campus type of thing that we've always seen for the Googles and others that are out there. But how, how do you do that during a pandemic when a lot of people aren't even in the office? Yeah, so um, uh, first of all, certain companies like Google have done a very good job uh, taking a lot of these features and bringing it to their workplace. But most Fortune 500 corporations don't have the toolkit in order to produce that kind of work environment within their existing facilities. So we're creating a, a, a product that's a community accelerator where we can help them create their culture and create community with their uh, moral compass and their uh, philosophy within it. Now, ironically, the Hudson Bay Company, as you know, is a very large real estate company. Uh, it owns a Hudson Bay mm -hmm. company in Canada, owns Saks Fifth Avenue. It also owns all the real estate underneath Lord & Taylor. And one of the things that we're doing is we're starting to convert former Lord & Taylor buildings in tremendous, uh, well-trafficked uh, 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 locations where there's lots of action and community and food and beverage and, and gyms and that type of thing. And we're beginning to convert them into the office space of the future York factories within those facilities. Yeah, and something I just want to note where I've really, I started working with Zappos quite a while on this, uh, sort of the iteration of this project, and where I think a lot of companies are falling short, like a Google, if I dare say, um, is that we have to do more than offer perks because it creates an entitlement within employees and it honestly doesn't solve pain points. So the piece that I overlay uh, with Richard's company is really looking at, again, how do we solve for stress, anxiety, and mental health? Um, how do we go beyond helping you have a convenient work area, but have a meaningful work area where it's connected, where we help you have actual toolkits to solve for anxiety, stress, how to parent better, all of those types of things that make us be able to show up to work with more bandwidth. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is it's it's difficult to to get from one point to the next, and I think there's probably also a problem that not everybody is willing to ask for help. How do you identify people in need in the workplace and make sure that somebody's reaching out and kind of giving them a helping hand? One of the nice things is when there's protocols in place that really. Uh, uh, communicate to employees that it is something that you care about. When you offer education um, and different things that they can experience, they're about their well-being. Um, with Zappos, for instance, we really had a thing where we started all the meetings with five deep breaths, which is scientifically proven to lower your blood pressure and make it where you can focus better. So people like it for productivity and employees like it because they can feel their stress levels go down. A very simple thing to overlay into a meeting doesn't take much time. But again, it starts letting and communicating to employees that you care and that it's something that's a priority for you. Um, and it's creating a multi-layered uh, approach so that people who have different interests and want to engage in different levels can. Um, and it's becoming more uh, mainstream. You know, Time Magazine has mental health and mm -hmm. mindfulness on the cover. More and people, more people are aware that they're having a problem and that it's okay to talk about it because everybody has these issues. We all have a brain. We all have feelings. Yeah. 
Richard, that, that's a good point. It certainly isn't stigmatized like it used to be, but there's probably some people, particularly older people, who may have a harder time kind of opening up in that way. How much of this has to be a message that comes from the top down to make sure that, that, that people aren't embarrassed about sharing? I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, what's interesting is when we first, a number of years ago, decided to make uh, uh, HBC's prime initiative for raising funds and, and our charitable foundation, um, mental health. Um, we were excited about it. It was something we had talked about for a long time, and we launched it. What I was not prepared for was immediately the folks in our company uh, thought that that meant we were a best-in-class mental health uh, uh, organization, which we were not prepared for. Uh, people would come in and have meetings with me, and they would start and tell me the story of the difficulty in their lives. Everybody has someone in their family. Everyone is touched with this issue. If it's not them directly, they're touched with it. It is the largest, uh, most uh, underserved, least talked about issue that I can imagine uh, in our communities. And uh, uh, opening the door, talking about it, having sessions like this is fantastic. But for York Factory, we believe merely being a place where we can create community and let people feel like they have friends, that they can engage, they have events, um, that alone uh, 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 provides a support uh, that really um, is important for uh, folks in our uh, office and folks in, you know, in corporate America. Mm -hmm. Jill, you mentioned that your goal behind this was to try and find ways to reach scale. What do you think so far about your ability to do that with programs like this? Slowly but surely. You know, I come from agriculture, so I see everything agriculturally. Um, you grow and you start, you start small and you start building and you try and refine that product to make sure it's working and that it's reaching and that it's, uh, I call it singing, that it sings to the people and it helps people. And so we just go from there. I'm really excited to be working with Richard. Our curriculum in schools is doing incredibly well, so you just keep plugging away. The need couldn't be greater. You know, I've talked to a friend the other day who runs a several billion dollar company and he said he's getting overwhelmed by employees that do want to talk. He's amazed at how, you know, in his generation that didn't happen. And now as a CEO, he's dealing with employees that expect to talk with their employers about problems and what's happening at home and how can I help get these issues solved. My issue with my child is stressing me out. So if I can help create a whole human curriculum that helps them with parenting, with mental health, with emotional health, with emotional fitness, it's going to be a lot of fun. Richard, I'll ask you one more question just in terms of dealing with this right now in the pandemic. What have you seen from your employees during this? Is there a much greater need? Absolutely. So I, I, there couldn't be a more important time uh, that uh, I can recall where people are stressed and panicked and nervous and having uh, flare-ups of uh, mental health issues uh, like they are right now. So I think um, uh, uh, it gives us all a moment to re-engage and to talk about this topic. There is not one CEO in the Fortune 500 that doesn't understand how important it is to take care of the mental health issues related to their associates. And uh, if together, uh, I'm doing it my way, working with Jewel and, and in our direction, and other people are doing other things. If together we move this process forward, um, uh, it's not only good for our associates, 
but it's tremendously good for the bottom line. These corporations understand uh, if they can reduce the time that their associates are at home or not engaged or panicked or concerned over other issues, if they can help solve that problem, that's a great service to their associates, which will make their associates stay longer, be stickier in their environment, but it's also a great win to the bottom line of the company. So this is uh, an issue uh, that's captured the imagination of corporate America, and I think you're going to see a lot of advancements going forward. I certainly hope so. Hey, Joel, maybe you could leave us with one final thought, just in terms of living with mental health issues during a pandemic, especially as a mom. Sure. You know, I think having... um practical things that we can do uh, as parents. So many of us are homeschooling our children, you know, on Zoom classes, especially the parents with littler children. It's incredibly difficult. I know you're balancing that yourself. Um, Something I guess I would really tell people is this is the perfect time to start looking at what would you like to change in your life. This is a great time to learn meditation. This is a great time to learn things like 15 minutes a day for eight weeks can actually grow gray matter and shrink your amygdala. Um, And so (laughs) I call it never waste a good tragedy. (laughs) Um, If we're in this and mental health is a huge issue and we might as well start saying, all right, what are we going to do to transform ourselves to be better, more resilient, more capable, more connected? I want to thank you both for such an inspiring conversation and such an honest conversation. Richard, it's great to see you. Still to come on this holiday squawk pod. This is about the power of gratitude. It's new. It's called Grateful. A gem from Jewel. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to a very special holiday episode of Squawk Pod with Becky Quick and singer-songwriter and activist, Jewel. Jewel, as a fan, I hope you'll um, potentially listen to a request. Any chance that we could get you to sing something for us, just to sing us out? You mentioned singing <laughs> You're before. You're very sweet. Yes, love I your would voice. love to. <laughs> Thank you. Um, before I mentioned uh, briefly that there's only two basic states of being. There's dilated and contracted. And I was trying to figure out a way to deal with my panic attacks when I was homeless, and I decided to see if I could. I, you can't be in two states at once. So I wanted to see if I could hack my way out of a contracted state by investing fully in something on my list that dilated me. So I chose gratitude. Um, So I was sitting on a street corner. I felt my panic starting to really rise. I could tell a panic attack was imminent. And I decided to try and invest in gratitude, which was kind of hard because I was homeless. But I saw the sunlight filtering through a tree, and it was beautiful. And I 
hadn't killed myself and I wanted to be alive. And I was suddenly so profoundly moved to tears by just gratitude to be in that moment. Um, so I recently wrote a song about that and the power of gratitude, because I think that feeling like our mental health and our happiness is within our own reach, within our own control is so powerful right now. So this is about the power of gratitude. It's new. It's called Grateful. When everything's gone, when I can't find my song, when darkness is all I see, there is a remedy. It's all the little things that make the world go round. All the little things that are most powerful. There's no politician, no sky to die. No one can take the love from my heart and the sun gonna shine in this heart of mine. Sun gonna shine in this heart of mine. Sun gonna shine Cause I can always be grateful when the loudest sound is your own life. Crashing down when your friends they don't come around. One true thing I found: the sun gonna shine in this heart of mine. Sun gonna shine in this heart of mine. Sun gonna shine the Bring it on now. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on now. Yeah. I'm singing on, singing on, I'm singing on Thanksgiving. We'll see you tomorrow. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.